0: You're listening to Radio Free Satan. Enjoy the show.
1: I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey.
2: New Year,
0: woo! All right, it's a new year.
2: Uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm supposed to do, right? Scream for the new year. Oh, <laughs> uh, it is a new year, and this is year two of Nine Cents. Welcome. I'm your host, Adam Campbell. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and it's great to have you. It is. I'm changing the. Beginning of the show a little bit, that song you heard at the intro, new for 2012 or year 47, say Thomas. I've updated the logo a little bit for 9 cents, uh, refreshed it a little bit. It's going to be very, very reminiscent of the old one, of course. I don't want to change things up completely, but it is a new year, and with it must come some form of, uh, I don't know, regeneration, or if not regeneration, then just Refreshing. Nine Cents is going to be around for many years to come And I just want to make sure that everyone gets the most out of it they can And that means not leaving it stale and stagnant Now, because I'm a graphic designer, that means I'm going to be doing alterations If you go to the website, 9 you'll notice the content is the same Though I have archived quite a bit of it The new year brings with it new feelings, new interactions, new perspectives And, okay, well maybe not new perspectives, but new everything else I have also have a dedicated 9CentsPodcast.com host, Uh, before I was sort of piggybacking my own personal uh, design website. So expect that, uh, there's going to be more dedicated, more powerful uh, downloading capability. And like I said, a lot of the old content from last year is going to be archived, but it's still accessible, go to the website and you'll be able to find it. Uh, In the respective places, uh, the RSS feed has been archived, but you can also find that um, through a different RSS feed. So, you know, I had a lot of really great episodes last year, uh, some of which I don't want anyone to not be able to find, um, because I think they're worth listening to. The Greater Magic episode was amazing. Uh, I still think the holiday episode was a lot of fun. My birthday episode, though not many people liked it, I thought it was amazing. Uh, Some of my most downloaded podcasts... Uh, Kevin I. Slaughter, uh, Reverend Brian Moore, um, Wulak Joel Gostin. All of those are still available. You can just go to that alternate archive RSS feed and get them there. I'm not going to be posting that on iTunes. It's going to be like the Nine Cents Interviews RSS feed. You're going to have to go to the website to get it. Uh, once you do have it, though, subscribe to it, download as many as you want, wherever you want, and, you know, share them. Spread the word, as it were. Oh, this year is going to be amazing. I've got so much really exciting stuff. Um, But first, let's target uh, Radio Free Satan for a second. It is the beginning of the year, and Radio Free Satan goes through these periods of, like everyone, paying the bills. Now, I'm not going to go on ad nauseum about this, but at the beginning of every show, I want to incentivize you a little bit. So, I haven't figured out what it's going to be yet, but I'm going to do awards. Uh, I'm going to do sort of uh, kickers for those of you who do donate to Radio Free Satan. So, there's going to be um, uh, sort of gifts, as it were, for the $10, $20, and $50 donations. Now, I know it's a brand new year. A lot of people spent a lot of money uh, during this past holiday season, so I get it. Um, You don't have a lot of floating cash. But whatever you're capable of donating makes a significant impact on the total that has to be paid, Um, which Tiberian9, who runs Radio Free Satan, pays the bills herself. So if you are capable, drop a dollar, drop five, if you do ten, twenty, or fifty, I'm going to get you a gift, and I'm going to be announcing what those are here shortly on the social networking sites. Uh, for 9 cents. So if you are subscribed, then you're going to find out. And the next week, I'll tell you on the air what, what those are going to be. So do what you can for what really is an amazing free service. You know, there's a reason why people go to Radio Free Satan versus just uh, turning on Pandora. Uh, you get personality, you get um, creative content that's really targeted to specific audience. Uh, that audience is you. So do what you can to help out no matter what it is it's greatly appreciated uh, and and really Radio free satan you know and needs your help and you know you you really should be dropping a dime on something that uh you enjoy year round all right so like i said before 9 cents has a lot of great things in this new year and one of them that i have been sort of tossing around and I think it would be something that would be very fun and entertaining, is an, an article. So there's a lot of satanic zines out there, there's a lot of magazines, there's a lot of um, uh, publications that an article, uh, from what I'm talking about, would be a perfect fit. So, it would be sort of a devil's advice column, uh, inspired, of course, by letters from the devil, the old uh, dirty magazine that Anton Leves used to write into. Uh, In in his article, in that name. So, I'm not trying to put myself on par with Anton LaVey, don't get me wrong here. Um, I just think that uh, I can bring a creative, entertaining take on individuals' uh, questions, or comments, or whatever. So, if you think it would be worthwhile, because I have to reach out to you in order to do this... If you want to see this happen, well, that means every quarter I need about three to four letters, uh, questions, comments uh, from you, the listeners. If this is something that you would like to see in the future, you would like to see in print uh, spread around, maybe promoting not only on a sort of backhanded way, Nine Cents podcast, but more importantly, the satanic perspective, uh, then uh, write in, you know, send it off. Let me know because I'm not going to do it without your support because quite frankly, I can't do it without you. Uh, But I think it would be fun, I think it would be really entertaining, and uh, I think together we can make something happen that would be pretty exciting. Uh, So, uh, you know, I'm looking to you for uh, where to go on that. Uh, Also, I do have a great show for you this week, it's not just bullshit I'm talking here. In The Devil's Advocate, we are going back to the very tail end here of the How to Be God or the Devil review. Today is going to be Part 7 of 9, Being Aware of Your Own Mortality. Infernal Informant. I've got two articles here for you. Kind of uh, strange, interesting, quirky. Santa Slayer Planned to Kill His Family. And Scour Moon for Ancient Traces of Aliens. In Creature Feature, I have an amazing interview. Weird World of Eerie Publications. More on that in a second. And I am going to do what I've been talking about for a while, and it's probably built up too much to actually be entertaining at this point, but I'm going to do a bizarre of the bizarre, sexy sweat versus filthy sweat. And like I said, every single segment here has a brand new intro. Even the entire show itself has a brand new intro. So let me know what you think of them, if they're too long, if they're too short, if they're good, if they're bad. I want your honest feedback. Uh, I don't mind uh, you know, a hand job every once in a while, but for my audience, I expect honesty. Um, not just sort of uh, placation, you know what I mean? Okay, and that's going to do it at the end of the show. So let's dive right into The Devil's Advocate with a brand new year of 9 cents starting right now. say, why bother? How you done? Great. Let's cut the bullshit and get real. Why this purity you feel about evil? For Christ's sake, why? Don't lie to me! I guess, Father. You gotta feel that old neck in your soul. And it becomes clear. Like it did for me, the first time. That's when I realized my one true calling in life. And what's that? Shit, man. <laughs> I'm a born devil's advocate. Welcome to the devil's advocate. I'm a Satanist. I'm a member of the Church of Satan. But I do not speak for the Church of Satan. That is all. That would be a god or the devil. Be aware of your own mortality. But first, let's talk about what we've talked about already throughout this uh, series. Um, this is in The Devil's Notebook, written by Anton Zandel-Vey. Uh Number one, we said don't advertise. Two, never be fashionable. Three, you must be creative. Four, you must have style. Five, a sense of humor is a must. There's a lot of musts. <laughs> Six, always harbor some doubt even about yourself. Seven, be aware of your own mortality, and that's today's, being aware of your own mortality. In the entire known span of mankind, we have had thousands of gods live and die. You know, we like to think of gods as these omnipotent, eternal creatures, but in reality, they are quite capable of death. If not by someone else's hand, then by time itself. When Frederick Nietzsche says God is dead, what do you think he was meaning by that? Because he certainly was declaring the idea of a Christian God being dead, but if a Christian God is infinite, if gods themselves are infinite, are they ever really gone? Neil Gaiman wrote a book called American Gods, which brings an interesting perspective to the idea of a deity Um, losing people's belief in you as a god. Well, that's a death, I would say. As far as this article goes, and as far as the understanding as we have it goes, we are our own gods, the primary influencers and benefactors of our lives if we succeed it is because of the work that we put into it if we fail it is because we did not put that work into it or there was someone else better than us these are things that we have to understand and work through in life nothing wrong with it but it's important knowing that at some point your life is gonna be over. You are no longer going to be a god. And being aware of that, understanding that, makes the time you have with those around you and in the world you're in that much more important. And I've actually had a show on this very topic. Uh some of what I covered in the earlier show is worth repeating. What makes us a god is our very different non-herd like third perspective that we use to influence the world around us being aware of our own mortality allows us to focus on our lives on the way we interact with the world a little bit more i mean if there's endless days on the horizon why are you even concerned with what happened today or what you're going to do tomorrow it is that end point our own deaths the death of a god That is a motivational factor for us. It is one of the reasons why we focus so much on living life to its fullest. Because that's all we've got. If all gods die, why even bother being a god? And you can argue that it's because of what you leave behind. How others interpreted your behaviors, your actions, even your own demeanor, how you carried yourself. All of that influences other people. And you may not be concerned with it, but sometimes it's someone you love and really look up to or looks up to you, your own children, your spouse, your friends, co-workers, peers. And every little bit of it matters because that's the only thing that's going to keep you going. That's the only thing that when time catches up, mortality ends, that's how you live infinitely as Anton LaVey put it, in the brains and sinews of those who loved and respected you. Yeah, yeah, there is an end. There's also a way to live forever. But it's through others that you do it. So remember, your mortality and being aware of it is a huge part of being a real, true, powerful, satanic god. Live up to it. Every day. It's the only chance you've gotten Let's move on to the Infernal Informant. Listen up! Listen up! KL Valley! Good news! There's no devil! Bad news! Else is no heaven! There's nothing to see! I'm your Infernal Informant! Alright, this is an article of the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, world. Uh, December 29th is the date, just 2011. Santa Slayer planned to kill his family. A disturbed father planned to kill his family when he walked into Christmas celebrations with two handguns hidden in a Santa suit. U.S. police said as friends mourned the seven people slain. His family appeared to have no clue that Azola Boba, Yazdapana, 56, had snapped. <laughs> I'd say, anyone you give a name like that to... At some point, is going to snap. I mean, you should just sort of, you know, it's it's coming. You can feel it in the name. There's no signs of a struggle, said Sergeant Robert Eberling of Grapevine, Texas, police. <laughs> How can there be signs of a... The dude walks in and shoots people. Of course there wasn't a struggle. They didn't even think he was going to do it. Yazdapana had been separated from his wife for months and was squatting in their old house after a bank foreclosed upon it. The family's financial problems also included several bankruptcies. He arrived at his wife's apartment about 11.15 a.m. on Christmas Day and did not pull out the guns until after his sister-in-law arrived with her husband and daughter a few minutes later. So he was... (laughs) It wasn't good enough to get his own family he had to really include that in-law. I'm not surprised. If you're if you're a married individual, I'm sure you can uh, appreciate uh, someone murdering their in-laws. It's just that it's, it's so crazy and absurd that he would wait drumming his fingers with loaded guns under his clothes for them to come in. His niece even sent out a text message saying Yazda Pana was trying to be father of the year before the shooting began, NBC News reported. You know what I'm guessing? In a text message, you don't do that full name. What do you think comes up when you try to type in Yazdapana? I mean, uh, Yahtzee maybe? Like it tries to auto-spell correct it? I'd say Yahtzee. Maybe Yeti. You know, like that abominable snowman type creature? <laughs> I think maybe that. Police rushed to the apartment building after receiving a call at 1134. Wow. In which someone who was gasping for breath, said, Help! Help! They found seven bodies near the Christmas tree where the family had apparently just finished opening their presents. Police said Yazdapana killed his wife, Fatime Ramati, 55, their children, Nona Yazdapana, 19, and Ali Yazdapana, 14. Ramati's sister, Zoray Ramati, 58, her husband, Mohammed Hossein, Cyrus Zarei, 59, and their daughter, Sarah Zarei, 22, before turning the gun on himself. They all had gunshot wounds in the head, and it appears they were killed in rapid succession. Cyrus Zarei was also shot in the chest and abdomen. A classmate of his children described Yazdapana as conservative and very protective of his family. Aziz had weapons for protection and cameras in the house, said Alison Baum, 18. He was very upset when the mother moved out, she said, adding that he also didn't want his teenage daughter to date and restricted her mobile phone use. I wonder if the texting plan was in that. Do you think maybe she just texted a lot and that was what kind of pushed him over the edge? (laughs) I mean... A neighbor said she had been worried about a man who was harassing his daughter and asked them to keep an eye out for the white pickup truck. As he's told us, that he had a gun and would not hesitate to use it to protect his daughter, Carrie Stewart said... We think that, after that, he might have carried the gun with him all the time. A woman who knew Yazdapana socially described the realtor and he was a realtor. go figure as a sweet a, a realtor you know you would think that they would get a better deal, I mean, he must have been a really bad realtor to get foreclosed like like you should know if you if you went through those day classes. To become and get your license to become a realtor. And you should know what you're capable of actually paying down. And they had number of homes? I mean, what was he trying to flip them in this crappy economy? Not a very smart man. But then someone who would do something like this can't be that intelligent. Alright, let's see here. A woman who knew Yazdapana socially described the realtor as a sweet man who never spoke of family problems. Because he was internalizing it. He was just letting it build up inside. He was outgoing, kind, and adored his children, said Colleen Gedrose. I never saw him angry. A memorial service was planned for 5.30 on Wednesday at a park in Grapevine by friends who set up a Facebook page in memory of the two families. Words can't explain how tragic the loss of your lives have been. You are all wonderful, amazing, and loving people with such big hearts. You will all be forever missed and will always have a place in all our hearts, the mourners wrote. Alright, so that is the article. And why did I put this out here? Um, Ever heard the term wolf in sheep's clothing? I kind of feel like that's what this is. You had this man who was conservative. uh, Not a very good businessman. Not a very smart man. Loses his home. Loses his wife. Loses his mind sort of a reminder I think it's a lot easier than people like to think to go from being on top to being on the bottom in life you know it really only takes a couple things to turn you know that whole chaos theory a, a butterfly flaps its wings miles away and affects events in the other half of the world well that's really not that far off from reality I think and that's why When you don't put faith in yourself, when you don't take control of your life, when you allow uh, others to influence so heavily, when you don't work on improving yourself, when you don't um, focus on uh, whatever career you've chosen and do it well, well then things can start to unravel. When you put your faith in other people, and when you put your faith in an invisible man upstairs, well, that's when things have a greater chance, in my opinion, of falling apart. And I'm not saying that's what happened here, but just in this article alone, there was a couple of things that I think he could have avoided. For example, if you're a realtor, make wise investments, not risky investments. It's your money you're playing with. And if you had such a loving family to look after, why would you be so risky and frivolous with it? You're not being responsible. Well, as a Satanist, I think responsibility is a huge part of us. So, you were down there. Your family. Families break up for a number of reasons. Money is one of them. And I'm sure, though there's no way to prove it in this article, at least, that was a huge factor in it. But let's talk a little bit about what it means when you fall from grace. I mean, when you turn into the demon from the angel that you once were could you really have been that good to begin with if you are capable of killing your child did you ever really love him that much to begin with and you can't twist this around on me and say well i loved them so much i couldn't see them with anyone else being happier no no that's not love that's selfishness there's a huge difference if you love people, then well, then you're capable of letting them go, especially when you're probably the reason they left. Otherwise, you wouldn't be gone. You know, we, <laughs> and I've been taking this article in a manner of lightness, when it's a very serious topic to begin with. But it's because this is not a human being. This is an animal. This is a herd member, and it's obvious. Just through this article alone, it's obvious. We have to be concerned with how we treat our families. We have to be concerned with how we treat ourselves. We have to be concerned with what marks we leave on our environment. This guy did none of that. That's why he failed, and that's why he's gone. world's better for it. And the next article... This is from The Guardian. We should scour the moon for ancient traces of aliens, say scientists. Uh, Posted Sunday 25th. Wow, Christmas! Yeah! (laughs) By Ian Uh, Online volunteers could be set task of spotting alien technology, evidence of mining, and rubbish heaps in moon images. Hundreds... Of thousands of pictures of the moon will be examined for telltale signs that aliens once visited our cosmic neighbor. If plans put forward by scientists go ahead, passing extraterrestrials might have left messages, scientific instruments, heaps of rubbish, or evidence of mining in the dusty lunar surface that could be spotted by human telescopes and orbiting spacecraft. Though the chance of finding the handiwork of long-gone aliens are exceptionally remote, scientists argue that a computerized search of lunar images or a crowdsourced analysis by amateur enthusiasts would be cheap enough to justify given the importance of a potential discovery. Professor Paul Davies and Robert Wagner at Arizona State University argue that images of the moon and other information collected by scientists for their research should be scoured for signs of alien intervention. The proposal aims... Uh, to complement other hunts for alien life, such as the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence study, which draws on data from radio telescopes to scour the heavens for messages beamed into space by alien civilizations. Although there is one tiny probability that alien technology would have left traces on the moon in the form of an artifact or surface modification of lunar features, this location has the virtue of being close and of preserving traces for an immense duration. The scientist wrote in a paper published online of the journal Acta Astronica. If it costs little to scour data for signs of intelligence, intelligent manipulation, little is lost in doing so. Even though the probability of detecting alien technology at work may be exceedingly low, they add. The scientists focused their attention on NASA's Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter, LRO, which has mapped a quarter of the moon's surface in high resolution since mid-2009. Among these images, scientists have already spotted the Apollo landing sites and all of the NASA and Soviet unmanned probes, some of which were revealed only by their odd-looking shadows. NASA has made more than 340,000 LRO images Public, but the figure is expected to reach one million by the time the orbiting probe has mapped the whole lunar surface. From these numbers, it is obvious that a manual search by a small team is hopeless the scientists write. One way to scan all the images involves writing software to search for strange-looking features, such as the sharp lines of solar panels, or the dust-covering contours of quarries or domed buildings. These might be visible millions of years after they were built, because the moon's surface is geologically inactive and changes so slowly. The seismometer on NASA's Apollo 12 mission detected only one impact per month from roughly grapefruit-sized meteors with a 350 kilometer radius. According to Davies and Wagner, it could take hundreds of millions of years for an object tens of meters across to be buried by lunar soil, and dust kicked up by these impacts. An alternate approach would be to send tens of thousands of amateur enthusiast images over the internet for examination, though this could lead to disagreements over what, what constituted as unusual and potentially alien feature. The easiest artifact to find would probably be a message left behind intentionally that might be held in a capsule and left in a large, fresh crater like Tycho in the moon's southern highlands. The scientists write, Some some longer-lasting messages could be buried at depth, but fitted with transmitters that penetrate the lunar surface, they add. Alien life, might once have set up a lunar base in the underground networks of lava tubes beneath the moon's dark basaltic plains, and perhaps have left rubbish where they departed. The same factors that make lava tubes attractive as as a habitat imply that any artifact left would endure almost indefinitely, undamaged and unburied, the scientists write. So they're looking for the proverbial Coke can left behind by aliens. Alright, well, you know what? I actually don't have any problem with releasing the images to um, the public and allowing the public to scour them and then any potential finds would be brought back to um, the professionals. But what I think is ridiculous is the idea that aliens would stop on the moon in our ancient histories and not stop on the planet. That's what doesn't make any sense. Now... If for any reason an alien species would, in the tiniest of number chances, come to our solar system and into our planet area, um, why would they set shop on the moon? Like I understand, you know, it's a good way to observe, but that's if you're on the Earth-facing side. So if we're talking the dark side of the moon or the northern and southern hemispheres of the moon, I mean, it's not you can't observe the Earth from those locations, and you're quite literally hidden. But then if these came in ancient times, what are they trying to hide from? Dinosaurs? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Now, I'm not trying to justify an alien intelligence um, causation for landing on the moon. Uh, I'm just saying that if we're going to be spending money on something, I think this is probably at the bottom of the list. I mean, we have a lot of just Earth mapping that hasn't been completely done, uh, uh, you know, on our planet. So... Uh, I just think maybe we should focus a little bit more on our Earth before we go to the moon. But I do think in the grand scheme of science and space exploration, this is a huge step. Uh, maybe we could focus a little bit more on getting to the moon and setting up our own base uh, so we can start launching out into you know the outer universe, as it were. But to just map the moon itself is useful. To examine it for alien Coke cans is pretty retarded um i just don't think you know i mean the chances are so incredibly minute uh we have a better chance i think of uh finding aliens amongst us (laughs) hey wait here we are alien elite right (laughs) all right so that's it for the infernal informant i'm going to give you a short break and then we're going to dive right into our interview with the creature feature see you on the
1: Prepare for incoming message. Prepare yourself for Deep Six Radio. Right. Right. I
0: am Matt, host of Deep Six Radio. And I am Idris.
1: Yes, we are. So if you want to be one of the six taking on the oh so lovely Idris. And want to be featured on the show Send your emails And MP3s To us
2: at Deep6 At RadioFreeSatan.com Include a bio And anything you want mentioning on air we are open to any genre. Apart from rap. Deep
1: Six also includes a fine selection of alternative rock. As
2: well as multiple other
0: genres. So why not jump on the roller coaster? That is Deep Six Radio.
1: Deep Six is available
0: on RadioFreeSatan.com.
1: And also iTunes a
2: week later. We, we look, look forward, forward to you joining us. Joining us. End of the line.
1: Are you looking for music from the 80s and the new wave post-punk and other hits? Jay nothing, the host of the Metro, will take you back to the 80s with songs that made the decade of me so memorable. Get the weekly updates at RadioFreeSatan.com and remember, Hail Satan. down into Lambert's basement and join me Dave Ingram And Eagle hello where we time travel via nostalgia to a golden age of big band swing and jazz only available on Radio Free Satan.
2: you know that after the heart stops beating, the brain can function for well over seven minutes? we got six more minutes to play.
0: <coughs> Why are you screaming
2: when I haven't even cut you yet? Welcome to Creature Feature. Welcome to Creature Feature. I'm being joined today by Mike Howlett, the author of The Weird World of Eerie Publications, Comic Gore, That Warped Millions of Young Minds. Mike, thank you so much for joining me. How are you tonight? I'm great. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Before, and normally on this show, I sort of go through uh, a a bit of a, you know, a a number of expected steps. So we're going to be talking about the book, um, hopefully in detail, but initially, let's find out a little bit about you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Well, uh, I'm a horror comic geek. Uh, I have been
0: ever since uh, since I was a youngin. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I just uh, I, I I have thousands and thousands of comic books. In fact, I'm sitting with my feet up on boxes of them right now. Wow! Um, all of them are horror. I don't have any anything that isn't horror in my collection. Wow. Well, that's not true. I do, have a, I do collect romance
1: comics now, too, but there is a connection.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear that connection.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, working on the Erie Pubs book, I, I found uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the artists in the Erie Pubs are from Argentina, and uh, I discovered that the only other uh, U.S. work that a lot of them did we're in the Charlton Romance comics. Oh wow! So that's that's kind of an interesting uh, correlation between the, the, the gore and the love. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> and, and it's funny because outside of really sort of campy movies, um, you don't really find that mix very often. <laughs> no, no, it's it's true. It's, it's, uh, a lot of those guys were really talented
1: artists, and they you know they're looking for a way to break into this country and. And that's, that's that's how they got it.
2: That's great. How about we talk a little bit about uh, what inspired this book? Well,
1: uh, like I said, a horror geek, uh, and I I I, I love uh, I love the history of comics as much as I love reading the comics. Uh, you know, like Roy Thomas's Alter Ego uh, uh, magazine, cover to cover facts about all these old artists. I I just eat that stuff up. And, um, you know, there's, there's, um, John Cook's, the Warren companion, uh, for the, for the Warren, uh, uh, black and white magazines.
0: Mm-hmm. And then there's the, the
1: Skywalk book came out a few, uh, you know, a few years ago. And I love that. And I wanted to learn more about the Erie pubs but there wasn't a book about them. Uh, and, uh, a, a, a slight mention in some, in some of the other, um, horror
0: books, usually pretty disparaging remarks about them <laughs>
1: <laughs> like uh like james warren saying he weeps for the trees that were cut down to make the paper <laughs> but uh, uh and so i just wanted to learn something about them and uh i, I was initially going to write a, a, a short piece for um peter normanton's from the tomb fanzine in england oh wow. yeah and uh, i, I the more I looked, the the bigger this thing got, and uh, those everything kept branching out into new uh, discoveries. And I I called Peter and said I I might have a book here, because huh. <laughs> uh, digging and digging it just got fascinating. Uh, you know, learning about all the different
2: uh,
0: people involved with the Erie
2: Pubs. Well, have you always been in, uh, had the idea of being an author in mind uh, growing up? Uh, well, no. I, I, oh, I was I was gonna be a rock star. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, a couple of records didn't pan out. But uh, uh, no, I'd, I'd written a
1: couple of articles for uh, uh, about comics for a comic book marketplace a few years ago, and enjoyed that a lot. And you know, I've written for fanzines here and there.
2: Nice. Uh, so it, it was really, really just your the research
1: and the, you know and the learning about uh, you know finding out things that I didn't know before. Yeah. And, yeah, that, that, that's what's exciting about working on a project like this is, uh, you know, the discovery, the detective
2: work is a lot of fun. Oh, well. Wow. So, thousands of comic books. How old were you when you started collecting? Uh, oh, God, I, I used to,
1: I'm an old guy, so I uh, I was buying, I, I was lucky to be buying, uh, like, the good uh, Bronze Age DCs and Marvels off the shelf. Wow. Um, you know, like the House of Mysteries, the 20 Centers in, in the early 70s. So, you know, Bernie Wrightson was, uh, you know, he he was the guy I was picking off the off the magazine rack, and you know, the uh, Richard Corbin in the in the in the creepy magazines. I think I had a letter printed in, uh, I don't remember which one, like Creepy 53 somewhere around there, mm-hmm. uh, talking about, uh, oh, this guy Rich Corbin, he's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I. I, I Ever since uh, I think unexpected, like 176, somewhere around there, about a um, it's, it's a cover uh, with a
2: witch's hand on a guy's shoulder. I cured your blindness. Now <laughs> turn around to see what you've agreed to marry. That's the <laughs> earliest one I can remember. It, I, the, the number uh, I can't remember right now. But yeah, no, that's fine.
1: A long time, uh, late 60s, early 70s.
2: So, out of all of those, do you have? I mean, is it possible to have a favorite? Uh, a, a favorite comic out of uh, out of all those sounds all you the have. Horror stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. Um,
1: uh, uh, Secrets of Sinister House uh DC uh one with a um with a kid riding a giant red fire lizard on the cover. Was <laughs> my favorite cuz um, I, don't, I don't know it just it spoke to me in all the right ways I love I love 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 animals and lizards and snakes and things so in this one the bullies were giving the kid some crap and uh, they, they threw
2: his lizard into the fire and it's like oh no <laughs> and, and then of course it comes back and he gets his revenge on the yeah. bullies and, dun, dun, and that, dun, that dun. kind of stuff speaks to you when you're a kid oh absolutely <laughs> I still love that one and, and then of course uh, uh, I discovered the ECs a few years later and
1: went back and got all of those when they were they were reprinting them in seventy two or so, and I got my first look at some of those uh, tales from the crypts and the haunt of fears. And, Very cool. Uh, um, haunt of fear, uh, the one with uh, horror we House by you on the cover's got to be a, one of my favorite comics of all time too. Wow.
2: So how long did it take you to um, collect, or or how long were you researching to collect enough before you realized, wow, I really do have a book on my hands.
1: Uh, well, with the eerie pubs, yeah, you know, fifteen years or so. I, I like, like, a, like most uh, horror comic collectors, I, I liked the Warren stuff and the Skywald stuff. And I had a few of the eerie pubs laying around, and
0: I kind of snobbishly looked that, at them as not as good because yeah. you know they're cheaply produced. But uh, once once I got the bug, and I tried, and I wanted to have them all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, it, it, I, I was well into the book before I think I I got them all. And I, you know, something could still pop up now, and I wouldn't be surprised the way they produced things. But um, from start to finish with the book, it was about six years of of research and and pouring over it every day. Wow! And, you know, and that was you know that was once I realized hey, these things are are weird. Yeah. <laughs> Not only is
0: that the title of, of uh, you know. Of their flag, its not only their flagship title. They are weird. They're, you know, the
1: over-the-top gore and the really low production values, and they just seem kind of dangerous.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's a, a large chunk of your your time and, and a good portion of your life devoted to to research and, and building this. Were, were you doing this with the idea of of sharing this? Uh, passion of yours with everyone else or were you just doing it for your own you know you know nothing wrong with it a little selfish need to have a collection all in one place oh well uh, well the collection certainly is my own selfish need but
1: <laughs> once i once you know once uh once i learned i started learning some great stuff about this company and and yeah you start thinking you might have a book and yeah you want to share it you want to uh, you know contribute a little bit to the uh you know, to the collective knowledge of the history of the medium.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, just like uh, you know Roy Thomas does every
1: month with Alter Ego and and some of the great uh, you know comic books, uh, comic um, books about comics that are on my shelf. And, you know, yeah, it, it, it's an honor to to find something and contribute it in, in, into the into the world.
2: Nice. Uh, and it, you've done a stunning job here. Um, let's do a little bit of a primer here for the for the publication for the book here. Who is Myron Fass? Myron um, Fass um, was a, a
1: golden age artist. He, he worked in the factories, uh, you know, the Eiger shop, and uh, he, he was um, he he was a capable artist. Uh, some people don't think he was that good, but I, I like some of his stuff. But he always had an eye on the competition, Uh, specifically when horror was big in the early 50s, he cast an eye over to to the EC comics, the Tales from the Crypts, and whatnot, uh, because they were selling the most, and and he he got a lot of
0: ideas from them, swiped from them, (laughs) Um, and then once the, the code
1: came into place and horror comics died, he went into publishing, and because uh, you know, he was a big personality and he had a lot, you know, a lot to say. So uh, he cast an eye over to EC again, who had just taken Mad from a comic book to a magazine, and he, his uh, his initial foray into publishing was uh, with
0: a with a Mad knockoff called Lunaticle, <laughs> uh, and it, it did okay. And he, from there,
1: that's that's where that was his that was his thing. He just uh, he stayed in in uh, publishing and would always see what was selling and then move in fast
0: move in fast, uh, yeah. fast and uh and, it, and he made the he had a very
1: very uh good career doing that uh staying one step ahead of all the other imitators he was never an innovator
0: but
2: he was one <laughs> of the best imitators out there so you say um, he was never an imitator is there anything that can be said well this is definitely original myron fast
1: Oh, uh, well, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, the the UFO magazines that
0: were really popular in the '70s, th- mm-hmm. those
1: were all his.
0: Oh yeah. Um, and because there was a there was a UFO phenomenon, and uh, yeah, you know everybody. Oh, I saw something over, you know, over the state house in the sky. Yeah. So, uh so, i guess as far as publishing
1: ufo mags he was he was the guy to beat and the shark magazines jaws was popular he uh he started uh, publishing the shark magazines but the things he's he's most known for are all you know the eerie publications were knockoffs of uh the Warren magazines because they were popular he had countless uh uh you know girly magazines because playboy was popular mm-hmm. um he 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 was he was a great imitator and uh, and he put things he put things out fast and cheap and uh, and
2: never looked back. Nice. Uh, do you think he had a lot of legal issues going through his career? Uh, there
1: was a few, um, but they weren't they weren't the um, you know I hate to say the word plagiarism, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, all of the hearings ninety five percent of the erie Pub original stories were nicked from 50s horror comics you know the the panel for panel uh, you know the dialogue just redrawn
0: wow uh, but, uh, he
1: um, he got his pants sued off uh, by a uh, one of the one of his printing companies that he owed a lot of money to and and he tried to sue a few people uh like for instance, he tried to
0: sue. To get the uh, Captain Marvel name. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, but uh, he didn't really have much of a leg to stand on for that, uh, because uh, he he published in the in the mid '60s. He published a very short-lived, very bizarre superhero title called Captain Marvel, because it was in between. It was in between uh, owners
0: at the time. You know, DC was doing Shazam, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Oh, there's a convoluted history
1: with the, with the with the Captain Marvel title, but he tried to get the get dibs on it, and yeah, uh, he wasn't able to. Didn't stick. wasn't able to secure it.
2: Yeah. So, um, what about Carl Burgos? Uh, Carl Burgos, uh, been around since the beginning of comics, and in, in 1939 he created the the Human Torch in Marvel Mystery Comics. Um, so. Been around forever. Yeah. Um, by, by the '60s, when Stan Lee had uh,
1: rejuvenated uh, the Human Torch, uh, uh, Carl was a little left out. Uh, they, they didn't want him drawing or scripting it, and, but they did want his advice on how the how, how everything should look. But he he got a little disillusioned with the uh, with the, the whole the whole industry and kind of. Um, well, he, he he hooked up with Fass, and uh, because Fass wouldn't tell him what to do and let him do his own thing, so uh, yeah. he he became the editor of the Erie Publications, and he had he had the freedom to do whatever he wanted. But yeah, he had a he had a long, long, long career in comics and and art, and uh, he was he worked with Marvel uh, right up through the fifties. Nice. And then he got into publishing himself in the late fifties and into the sixties. But um, you know, we all we all love him for his eerie Pub uh, work. He, he he edited them from uh, from the very beginning, which is the end of sixty five, right up till the bitter end of the original run, which was nineteen the end of seventy four. His name's in every issue, and he did quite a few covers.
2: That's great. So just what, like nine years?
1: Uh, yeah, well, they, they went on a little further than that too, but uh, it was just in the in the in the reprint phase.
2: Yeah. So what do you think? What do you think it was that that made them stop? Did they just run out of material to recycle through?
1: <laughs> oh, they never ran out of recycling material. <laughs> uh, well, at, at the end of '74, uh, the the market kind of imploded. Um, there was Warren skywalled. Uh, the eerie pubs and then uh, Marvel came in uh, with, with five or six brand new titles and new, you know Marvel when, when they have the money to, to yeah. put out a lot of magazines and the distributors uh, you know they would sold a lot of magazines over the years and the distributors were more likely to uh, put the Marvel things on the shelf and uh, you know there, there was a bit of a, Not really a recession, but times were a little tough then, and people didn't have as much pocket change. Uh, You know, by the end of
2: So introducing the weird world of Eerie Publications is Stephen R. Bissett. Is that, am I saying that yeah. right? Yep, Steve Bissett. He's a swamp thing, taboo. He's, he's, he's done a lot of stuff
1: for the horror genre himself.
2: And and do you think that's what made him perfect to introduce this?
1: Uh, well, the, yeah, well, absolutely. He, he loves these comics. Um, I'd, I'd read a few things before that he'd written about them, like, you know, Nobody knows anything about
0: these, uh, and I love the you know, particular story. It's such a downbeat ending,
1: and, and I was—I went to a comic show one time, and uh, and and he was there, and I was talking with him, and you know, I had him sign, you know, uh, an old swamp thing uh, trade paperback, and we were talking. And I said, "Well, yeah, I'm writing a book about eerie pubs," and, and he just—he his eyes lit up, and he's like, "Oh, eerie pubs!" And, <laughs> and we were talking for a while. And I said, "Well." want to write an intro? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it, it was wonderful uh, and we uh, we uh, we became friends and it, just over eerie pubs. And uh, yeah, he's a great guy. He knows he knows a lot about comic history, so uh, uh, just talking with him is like, you know, getting a getting a lesson
0: in wow. comics. Wow. And
1: he loves the horror stuff and, and he's a hell of a great horror artist himself.
2: Nice. So can you tease a little bit of what else can be found in the book? Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, the, the, the book's got...
2: Um, I mean, it's, it's huge. it got a cover
1: gallery with you know, hundreds of covers. Uh, they uh, I got a bio on every artist that I could figure out
0: who they were, which is all but about two. <laughs> oh, wow. um, bios on all of them, everybody
1: that contributed to, to the Eerie Pubs. Uh, and um, I'm pretty happy to have... A six-page uh, brand-new story uh, drawn by Dick Ayers,
0: yeah, who who
1: who was an Erie Pub's artist. I uh, did about uh, twenty-five or twenty-six stories for them, no. and that was his idea. <laughs> I asked him to draw a cover, which he did. But we wound up not using it. <laughs> and I got an email one day from from him, just a fun art, <laughs> and I opened it up. Hey, how about doing a doing a story in the style of uh, you know the old Erie Pubs? You oh know, I can, wow! I can redraw one I did then, or or you can pick any old story, you know, just just like um, just like the Erie Pubs did. I went back to the 50s horror comic and, and picked one of my favorite uh, horror stories. It was from Dark Mysteries called The Horror of the Mixed. Torsoes, <laughs> uh, and uh, I, 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 sent the outline to to Dick. I, I, what I did is I xeroxed the, just xeroxed the pages, you know, copied the pages and sent them to him. And and I get these little updates from him. Oh, this is just like working for Myron and Carl. <laughs> <This> is great. <laughs> and yeah, he did a, a 6 page, his interpretation of six-page uh, story.
0: That's that, great. That's,
1: that's really I'm, I'm pretty proud to to have gotten him.
2: Or, his idea but they had
0: him do a
2: story for it wow. well, I mean the book is really solid too how do you think uh, how do you think it can be sold um, at such a reasonable price I mean this is a huge huge solid volume of of history yeah, well yeah uh, thank you <laughs>
0: it's, uh, well, it's a, it, it is a beautiful book uh, Feral House
1: uh, put out just gorgeous books uh, uh, I haven't so happy that they wanted to put this out because they have they use really really beautiful paper, mm. you know, with big, you know, uh,
0: just the saturated inks and yeah. uh, quality stuff. Uh, l- luckily, they thought it was a it was a good subject and and they, they agreed that it should have this deluxe treatment. <laughs> nice. it, it, well, it's a pretty pretty pricey book. It's it's a thirty two ninety five cover price. You can obviously
1: get it on Amazon for just a little over 20 but um i i, I thank you uh, I, I think it, uh, it, uh, it's a beautiful book it's a good coffee table book colors pop um uh,
0: yeah, yeah and it's, it's
2: sort of but, one of those by, things by it, <laughs> if you're if, if you're really into i mean just horror genre itself whether it's uh comics or even movies or i mean hell music you know yeah. you know punk horror or anything like that i mean this is what inspired all of that so
1: yeah yeah that's I've what been very gratified i've made a lot of friends over the last year on uh, on facebook and stuff uh where they they, you know, they picked up the book and then they contacted me it's like uh you, you know i i'm an artist but i i kind of been uh, you know hadn't been very inspired and, Hadn't been doing much, and then your book, and now I'm, you know, now I'm doing these
0: paintings, and they yes, and it, it, it's so gratifying that I had anything to do with, uh,
1: you know, yeah, yeah, I picked a cover to put in the book that that really triggered something with them. That <laughs> makes me feel great, <laughs> and, and it's been it's been the same with, yeah, like you said, um, musicians and uh, actors and uh, artists. Uh, these. A lot of a lot of people I've talked to over the years have cited these these magazines
2: as inspiring their craft in one way or another, for better or worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you, you know, it
1: really uh, it really fueled their passion for, for the horror genre.
2: And and you know, this is actually an award-winning volume as well, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. We um, I, I got an email from uh, the publisher, and they'd forwarded me uh, an email they got that uh, congratulations. Your book, The Weird World of Erie Publications, was the grand prize winner at the, Hall- the Halloween Book Festival. <laughs>
0: that's, I'm awesome.
1: like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> and, you know, just kind of put it aside. And then I went back and looked at it. I was like, holy crap, I'm the grand, what? <laughs> and I read it closer and, and uh, I, I called the guy who had sent the email and he's like, yeah, this is like, it's, our, it's a first, it was part of the uh, Aliens to Zombies convention in Hollywood. It's the first year of the Halloween book festival. And, uh, and they, they, they flew me down there to pick up an award and say a few words. I was like, wow,
2: <laughs> that's <laughs> it, amazing. It, it, it
1: incredibly humbling. I was, I was there with uh, a lot of other uh, horror writers. and yeah, it, was, uh, it, was a, it was a lot of fun.
2: So do you think that that may have, I don't know, inspired you to do a, another project similar to this? Uh, well, not
1: just that inspired me, but I had I had a lot of fun uh, working on this, and the, uh, you know, the more I learned about the cover artist Bill Alexander, <laughs> the more I the more I found what a incredibly weird and varied career he had, and I've been uh, I've been compiling stuff a, a potential uh, uh, book about him, and not just his horror um, record labels back in the fifth, in the '40s, uh, for for a small record label that had a cartoon on every, uh, a different cartoon for every song, mm-hmm. and uh, and then he worked for Irving Claw in the '50s, you know with the, you know Betty Page and the, oh, yeah. and the bondage cartoons, <laughs> oh, yeah. and then uh, he went into some really bizarre adult books uh, concurrently with the eerie pubs. Some of it'll just curl your hair really strange stuff but, uh, I'd, I'd like to learn more about him and see if I can find some family members to fill me in about his life because his, his his portfolio is incredibly interesting to say the least yeah. and I still have um, I still have an index that never fit into the book where every issue is um, um, uh, talked about with uh, full credits and, wow. and notes and uh, that I'll probably just put into a, a Lulu book one of these days, or whatever that uh, online publication.
2: Yeah, is Lulu? yeah, yeah. They do. <laughs> you might have to edit my uh, no. my ignorance here. <laughs> no, you're good. But, yeah, uh, that is right. I, I'd like to make that
1: available for anybody who um, would would like to know the full credits to every issue.
2: So, do you think you see a resurgence in interest in in the horror and comics genre, particularly? Uh, yes, uh,
1: in, in some respects I do, uh, Dark Horse is, uh, redoing Creepy now and it's very good. Nice.
2: Um,
1: every, every, every few years there's always somebody trying to start up, um, you know, a new black and white magazine that there, there's a lot of independent guys, um, putting out, um, uh, horror anthologies. For me, that's what the horror stuff is. It's the anthologies. hmm you know, the continuing characters are are great. You know, but I,
0: uh, me, I don't have the I don't have the attention span to, to to to
1: follow continuing characters. I like the you know three or four stories per issue. You know, six or seven pages, shock ending. You know, the Tales <laughs> of the Yuri the Pubs, the Creepies of the Eeries. That's you know
2: that, that that's horror for me. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask because, you know, when I was growing up, it seemed like it was all brand oriented uh as far as like magazines like your Hellraiser and stuff. So right. It, it, it's it's I think rare at least when I was growing up to find an anthology version. But it's it's nice to see that, you know, there is an interest and that it is something that may be coming back. Do you think you're more interested now in I mean you're sort of a comic aficionado if I can say. <laughs> is do you think they would you be more interested in an old school revisit version of uh, a horror comic or nowadays it seems like you know everyone's doing uh, graphic well not everyone but a lot of people are doing um really computerized you know artwork for their comics and stuff would yeah. you prefer to see sort of that that hand-drawn old school black and white or, or are you happy with the way comics have really evolved um truthfully i am so old school that i don't really pick up any of the new stuff, <laughs> except oh, well. for
1: creepy. Um, and there's a there's a gent named Jason Crawley who puts out the Blokes Tomb of Horror, who, who, who who's doing it old school, black and white, and self-publishing. It, it's some pretty good stuff, anthology format. That's that's what I'm looking for. I, yeah, I like the I like the old stuff. I, I, and there's luckily there's so much old stuff out there. That, you know, I'll never have it all. Yeah. I'll never be able to read it all, but. Uh, the hunt is is always on for you know the good old '50s comics and uh, a lot of that stuff's being um, you know uh, archives now uh, coming out in slick slick card covers. And, yeah. Uh, uh, Craig Yo puts out great stuff. Uh, great stuff in um, in Yo books. Uh, you know, putting out Dick, Dick Briefer's Frankenstein and um uh, you know, uh, uh, the new uh, Bob Powell book just came out which is nice so, so there's all there's always stuff to read that will satisfy me but you know maybe I'm just a, I'm kind of being a little bit uh, stuck up about it and maybe I should check out some of these uh, new non anthology formats you know I watched The Walking Dead I'd probably like the, uh, the comic if I'd
2: actually just sit down and read it <laughs> oh yeah yeah no that's that's actually yeah I, I agree that's a great show and it's a really great graphic novel as well yeah I, I've got the first I'm looking right here. I just haven't
0: cracked them open yet. Nice.
2: <laughs> but I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong. I mean, you, you find something you're happy with that makes you happy and you stick with it. There's nothing wrong with that, so I cannot fault you at all.
0: Oh yeah. I and mean, it's like anything.
1: That's that's what I grew up with when I was, you know, when pretty much when you're twelve years old, that's what makes you what you are the rest <laughs> of your life. And that's what I loved. I loved the you know, the House of Mysteries and the House of Secrets and you know, Marvel's reprints and Vault of Evil, and of course the Warrens and the Creepies and the skywalks That's, that, you know,
2: that's still what I get my. That's still what gives you your thrill when you're an adult. Yeah. Unless, unless you happen to grow up, but I never did. So. <laughs> I don't know many men who have. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's great talking with you. Before we head out, uh, I was wondering if maybe you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, creaturedoublefeature.org dot org. Oh. Uh,
1: uh, well, I, what I was involved with was. Um, I got a cat that's
0: sitting on top of a Pam Greer autograph right <laughs> oh, now. No. All right. Uh, the creature double feature was. Uh, I was involved
1: in the roundups that they had last uh, October, which was great. Uh, a couple of guys, um, Matt Sandberg and Aaron Chauncey, put on this, um, this convention in the Boston area that was. Um, it was a, a, in honor of the old uh, saturday afternoon creature feature show
0: yeah
1: and uh, they put on a great show it was um they had uh, two movies uh uh well it was a uh, plan nine from outer space and Gamera in a Gamera movie and they spliced in the old uh, the old
0: commercials and, <laughs> and they had the old bumpers that they used to show nice
1: <laughs> and it, it, it was just a, it was a lot of fun it, Lot of, brought back a lot of memories for everybody in the area here and uh and they they asked me to be there which was an incredible honor and uh you know i talked about comic books and bad
2: movies and it, was,
0: it was a
1: very fun show and hopefully they're going to do it again next year
2: yeah yeah so uh i guess aside from maybe that biop uh, is there anything else we can expect from you in the future um well i
1: Uh, there's a couple of uh articles i've got coming in some fanzines there's a there's a
0: fantastic artist uh who goes by the name of putrid oh it's putrid matt and he's putting out a brand new uh fanzine uh early in the
1: year it's gonna be called organ it's gonna uh well he has an interview with me in it (laughs) which is how you know we met
0: yeah but uh under an assumed name i'm gonna do a comic column for him. Oh, cool! <laughs> and uh, that's gonna that's a lot that's gonna be a lot
1: of fun. Uh, the guy's a phenomenal artist, and uh, I I wrote a couple of uh, stories that uh, I'm looking to finish up and get illustrated, and maybe get into you know one of these anthology format magazines that hopefully keep popping up.
0: Yeah. And I'm and I'm uh, on the crew writing the uh,
1: the Uncle Death show uh, for. Uh, the Fright Channel on, on HorrorHaven.com. He's,
0: uh, he's, a uh,
2: he's kind of a old, old school horror host. He nice. Hosts, uh, trashy B-movies. Yeah, oh, that's great. Uh, where can people go to find out about, uh, the different things? You had mentioned Facebook, so, so you're definitely on Facebook, um, and just yeah. look up the Word World of Eerie Publications there. Is, is there anywhere else that is a good hub or is that pretty much the best? Um, you know, I, uh,
1: I, I had a couple other things going, but the Facebook page is really hopping. Uh, people uh, find me there, and uh, you know, people, kept the, people posting their collections and their favorite covers, and yeah. it's, a, it, it's a pretty fun crowd,
0: so yeah, that's pretty much where I, I sit, and it's also free. So. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> you can't argue with that. You can't go wrong with that. <laughs> well, Mike Allett, thank you so much for joining me, and everyone out there listening, the Weird World of Eerie Publications, that's going to be the perfect holiday gift for any of your friends or relatives or family immediate family that are really interested in uh, the horror genre comics movies music it really spans the gamut and this is this is original inspiration type stuff i mean this is stardust for all that so so keep it in mind check it out (laughs) yeah no problem Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, and I hope, you know, in the future when you put out uh, maybe that biop or some of the other projects that you had mentioned, maybe you can come on and we can talk about it and you know share a little information.
1: Uh, I'd be happy to,
2: Adam. It's been awesome. Thank you. This is the kind of stuff that my wife's like, Oh god, are you still talking about this? <laughs> it's my pleasure. <laughs> I'm having a blast. <laughs> Alright, have a good night. Okay, thanks, Adam. <laughs> That is so weird. Even for me to listen to, I almost want it like a little bit longer, so I, I might be able to make some coherent idea of understanding about <laughs> what it is I'm doing there, but maybe that's what makes it even <laughs> a little bit better. Just being so crazy and insane sounding. Uh, okay, well, l- let me address that last uh, interview really quick with Mike Hallett, true gentleman. Really had a pleasure talking with him. My phone uh, was giving some static. You obviously heard it. Thank you for sitting through that. I appreciate it. Um, but, you know, he, he's one of those gentlemen where you really kind of uh, look up to him for, for having the devotion or compulsion to do something like that, Uh, put together such a massive volume, that was recorded obviously before the holidays, we talk about buying it for the holidays and stuff, so um, just with that holiday special I wasn't able to fit it in as I had anticipated into the last years, but I think that's a perfect way to bring in the new year with a fantastic interview like that, so get out there, The World World of Erie Publications, great book, check it out. Bizarre, bizarre this week. Sexy sweat, we're finally getting to it versus uh, filthy sweat. So, and and this sort of comes from that idea like, I work out with my wife and we obviously sweat, but you wouldn't be working out if you weren't really sweating, right? I mean, that's the point. And there's sort of like that, that interim point of working out where it starts to get like really sexy and I have a hard time focusing on finishing the workout because I'm turned on by this sweat, and what I find is after the workout, maybe 10 minutes has passed, and that feeling is, like, so gone with the wind. Like, it is, it is like Casablanca, Bogart on a plane, out of there. There is no way I want to have anything to do with that sweat that was sexy minutes ago, literally minutes, and now, nah, not so much. And it's like one of those things where, I mean, you could be in a... Let's say for some crazy reason you're in a blacksmith's shop, right? Like an old-time, uh, I don't know, 13th century blacksmith's shop. I guess it was more of like a barn with a forge in it, but still, okay, that's where you are right now. Imagine what we would consider now as a very sexy woman swinging that hammer and molding steel, sparks flying, glistening skin with sweat... Imagine how sexy that is, and then replace the girl with what was probably more accurate as the guy at the time, and all the nasty, hairy, disgusting, stinky sweat that he's gener- generating, and it's like not sexy at all, right? And so there's this sort of crazy mixing of, you know, the exact same thing, the act of sweating, in specific circumstances, is incredibly hot and sexy, and and drives me to... to uh, very powerful passion. And the other one is the exact opposite, where it's just like, I, I could, if I had focused a little bit harder, puke at the idea, right? I mean, it's just this crazy sort of intermingling, sexy sweat versus filthy sweat. And there's got to be like an over under of time. So you start your workout and you have what, five, ten minutes into the workout, you start sweating. And that's from that point, it's sexy until the very end of the workout when suddenly it it's just like disgusting and stinky, and you have to take a damn shower before you touch me type deal, right? and And it's like I mean, if, if you're getting anywhere near someone's unmentionables at that point, you know, in in that window, that over under window I was talking about, that's a good time to be there. But this, and I don't know if it's like once the air hits it, <laughs> like cool air and it starts to like not become active sweat anymore and it's just sort of like it's sort of like like water like you you have water coming down a mountain and that's like fresh and sparkling you want to dip your head in it when you're hiking up a mountain because that's the best water you can have but then you get to a point where it sort of pools and there's like this weird foam stuff at the edges of it. And you can see like a crushed cores can. And like, like it's no longer good water at all. It's exact same water, just in a different place, in a different time. And it's suddenly no longer good. That is that sexy sweat versus filthy sweat. And it's just, it, it drives me crazy because every single, I mean, we work out every weekday. So it, every single day, I'm confronted with this immense passion And then immediate (laughs) turnoff. Like that. just so quick. All right, so yeah, it was built up for a couple weeks. Wasn't as great as maybe you had expected or hoped. Or maybe you're just used to my the Bazaars and they're not that great to begin with. But hey, this is an added bonus segment, so you can't bitch about it. Right? Right. (laughs) All right, and that's going to do it. For yet another nine cents, the first one in the year! Woo! Yeah! Woo! New year! 2012, 47, ASBH! I don't know why I just did that. (laughs) <laughs> I'd love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit the Satan Net, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, and MySpace page for 9 cents and get updated on weekly topics. Listen to the show at RadioFreeSatan.com or download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. You can also subscribe via iTunes by searching Nine Cents, and don't forget to leave a rating or comment. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. And if you'd like to hear other fine satanic voices, music, or personalities, visit radiofreesatan.com, an online streaming radio station. And before I go, again, I'd like to talk briefly about my children's book, How Crow Got His Scare Back. It's a book that teaches your children to look inside of themselves for the strength to overcome their fears contains satanic reference and features my own writing and artwork. Visit the website at adampcampbell.com forward slash crow to learn more. And once again, thanks for joining me. And as always, I am your host, even in the new year, Adam Campbell. And until next week, hail Satan!